What's up, everybody? Welcome to the second episode of the United Asia podcast. My name is Riz. So it's been about 24 hours since the first episode has gone up. I want to thank anyone that has taken the time to go listen to it or watch it. I know myself, when I watch a podcast, I can't do it in one sitting. Some of these podcasts can be up to three hours long. So what I love to do is just watch a little bit of it, listen to a little bit of it, take a break, maybe continue it the next day or the following day. Just makes every day exciting because you're like, oh, I, I can continue that podcast. So hopefully this podcast becomes one of those things that it just accompanies you during your week. So what I want to do first is go through all the comments that came up with the first one because I'm looking at it here and man, we got so many comments up here. So let's see how many. We got about 44 comments already. So let me just read through some of these. We got, let's see, the latest one we have looks like it's from Chengdu. I believe this is the person that runs an amazing um, promotion company who invites bands from overseas to come and tour China. It's, uh, the company's called New Noise. Let's see, he says, First time when I visited Malaysia, I stayed three nights in Anne's house. His hospitality and warm heart is something I will never forget. What a legend. Hope to see second combat in China one day. That is dope. So a lot of the comments talk about how amazing of a human being, how inspiring of a human being Anne is. Next comment here. All right, we got someone that runs one of the podcasts I dropped, whose name I dropped in the first episode, this beast from the East. He says, hell yeah, talk about hitting a home run. That was awesome to hear his story. Got my support. Can't wait for the next one. Thank you so much for the shout out. Awesome. You know, we're all in this together. We got to help each other out. We got, what is this? Damn, had no idea Riz had such a silky voice. What? Okay. I had no idea I had such a silky voice too. Actually, that comment is not a, a strange comment at all. I've already had like four or five people, including the singer for my band, Dagger, Nassim, wrote the same thing. He messaged me the same thing. He's like, oh, I had no idea your voice was so so sweet to listen to. I don't know what that means. All right. Thanks anyway. And we got more people from Hong Kong. I got Terry Chang who said, very inspirational. Looking forward to hearing the next one. Oh, we got another one from Beijing. We got Leo. This guy is the vocalist for one of Chinese hardcore's biggest legendary bands, Unregenerate Blood. Vocalist Leo. He wrote, I feel so good to hear your voice, brother. And the stories from N are awesome. Love it and really looking forward to the next one, Unite Asia. Hell yeah. We've got, wow, we got a really long one here. Let's see. From someone named Shane Wyatt. Looks like this guy's from Hong Kong. He's got a massive long one here. Lots of great feedback here. Would be great if you could push into further details about how, when, and where he met his bandmates and got engaged with the local scene. The connection to the scene in Asia, connection to the scene in North America, what the venues are like, traveling around shows. Hell yeah, those are some great suggestions. Thank you for all the suggestions. We got Vinesh. Oh, this guy's a vocalist of an amazing punk band from Malaysia called Trophy Knives. He says, great job with the podcast. 45 minutes just flew by. You don't even know how good it is to hear that because for a long time, Nico and I were going back and forth like, man, 45 minutes, an hour, that's a long time for people to listen to this. And we actually edited N's interview. His original interview was about an hour and 10 minutes. And we whittled it all the way down to 45 minutes. It took hours to whittle his interview down because he had so much great things to say. But it's great that people didn't feel like that first episode was too long. So he kind of gives us the leeway to go a little bit longer next time around. More, we got straight answer. Nice, Indonesian hardcore legends. Two words on their comment. Let's go. Nice. Like that. Okay, what else? We got more Indonesia. We got the vocalist of Final Attack from Indonesia. First episode, so inspirational. Can't wait to watch the next episode. We've got, I, I don't know if this is a guitar player or the bassist, but we've got Paul from an amazing melodic hardcore band from Thailand called, called Stay Awake. It says, great work, mate. 
You guys have always been so good to us to stay awake. We'll be following this for sure. Nice. Yeah, Joey Dizon from the Philippines. He's the one that told you to runs two podcasts. I don't know how he runs so many podcasts. After posting the first one, I messaged him right away. I was like, how in the world do you do four or five? His answer was, I don't sleep. <laughs> so he's got a well done. Nice. We got another one from Hong Kong. This guy is JR. He plays guitar for an experimental metal band called Arkham. He says, oh my dude. And I went back and forth a little bit. And then he gave me a little bit more information of what he loved. He said, I love the interview overall, but end story about his brother, of what he went through, and the industry's filth just made me understand his story of how and why he chose to be straight edge. And it's very inspiring. Much respect to N and his firm conviction. We also got a simple one word. Yes. From, I believe, I don't know if he's a vocalist or the drummer, because this band called Cut Lawn from Vietnam all wear a, a Pikachu outfit. So I don't know if he's the guitarist or the vocalist. No, I know he's not the guitarist. He must either be the drummer or the vocalist. I think he's the vocalist. Simple word, yes. So thank you so much to everybody. I mean, there's like 50 comments here, so I would, it would take me forever to look through everyone's comments. But thank you to everyone that took the time to listen to the first episode, to subscribe to it on YouTube, subscribe to it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, because it will be weekly. It will go up every week, every Sunday. With that, let's move on to the next part. All right, before we get into the main feature of the episode, I would like to take this time to talk about just what a few Asian hardcore and punk bands are up to going forward. So things that you can look forward to. I've got the whole list here. It's huge. We've got the Geeks, legendary Korean hardcore punk band, are in the studio currently. They're working on a four-song release that will be coming out later on this year. Key, the vocalist, said he can't tell me more information about it. So, four songs. They're in the studio. Look look out for that. We've got Nepalese grindcore band Shapong has already finished recording their next album. It's called March of the Gurkha Clan. I can't believe they already finished recording their third album. They just released a second one. Um, our friends Metalcore Giants from Thailand and Lin are currently in the studio for a new album. Social Circuit, dope. Social Circuit is an amazing emotive punk band from Malaysia. It features Dean, who's also the vocalist of another legendary uh, Malaysian hardcore band called uh, Kids on the Move. Social Circuit is working on their debut full length. I don't know if it's going to be out this year, but I think they're working on it now. Maybe shooting for the end of the year or maybe early 2021. That's a great band. You got to check them out. Creep Out, Japanese hardcore band. They're releasing their debut full length and it's coming out at the end of this month, at the end of August, on Dead Sky Recordings. Dead Sky Recordings is the label that's owned by the vocalist of Cruelty. Cruelty is heavy, super heavy Japanese hardcore band. Got a lot of death metal influence in there. Got some beat down in there. Amazing band. Let's keep going on the Japanese front. We have youth crew band True Fight is releasing an album out on Set the Fire Records. That's pretty cool. So it's True Fight, Japanese youth crew band, on an Indonesian record label called Set the Fire Records. Chinese punk rock legends SMZB have a brand new album coming out. It's coming out around November time on Maybe Mars Records. Taiwan's Defeat the Giant. It's been a while since we've heard from them. Defeat the Giant will be recording a live session end of August. Their vocalist, Winston, also runs a podcast with a guitarist of another hardcore band called Deadpan. Deadpan rules. Defeat the Giant rules. So I will definitely link that in the description below so you can check out his podcast. Learn some Mandarin. Ni hao. So... Big ups to Taiwan, man. Taiwan's been doing it right in 2020. Thank you, Taiwan, for all the support. On the festival front, we've got CNHC Hardcore Fest, Hell Yeah in China. 
This is their ninth year. They've just announced their first round lineup. So they've announced Unregenerate Blood, who are stalwarts of the Chinese hardcore scene. This is their 15-year anniversary. They're one of the bands that will be performing at it. It's in October. The festival has been, for the past few years, been traveling up and down China. For the first few years, it's always been in Beijing, the capital. But the past few years, have been trying their best to kind of spread the message take it on the road, advocate for hardcore and punk rock all over China. This year is the first year they're doing it in Hangzhou. And they're teaming up with Hangzhou Punk Fest, which will be, this is their second year. So together, CNHC Hardcore Fest and Hangzhou Punk Fest are coming together to put on this year's uh, festival. So look out for that. Two days, October 17 and 18, I believe. All the information is on the UnitedAsia.org website. In Bangkok, there's a Hardcore In My Blood festival so many hardcore and punk bands from Thailand. It's another two-day fest. Read all about it on UnitedAsia.org. That festival, all the money will be donated to an amazing member of the hardcore punk scene in Bangkok. Read all about it on UnitedAsia.org. Lastly, got to talk about the 20th anniversaries for two awesome bands. One, Malaysian hardcore band Restraint. This is their 20th anniversary. And 13 Steps from Korea. It's also their 20th anniversary. I know that Restraint has been working on some cool stuff that should be coming out sometime this year. I know the 13 Steps were, were planning on doing a special show in Seoul that was going to take place in June. But because of the COVID-19 stuff, they've had to postpone their show and they haven't rescheduled it yet. All right. Lots of great things coming up. Lots of things to be excited about. What I would love to hear is more things. If you've got news, if you're in a band in hardcore, punk, metal, indie rock, whatever, in Asia, and you've got a record coming out in 2020, message us. Just put it in the comment below. We'll make sure to shout out in the next episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to the main feature of episode two. This episode, I've invited my really good friend, Odessa, who plays drums for an amazing hardcore punk band from the Philippines called Chokokoi. I've got a couple of their releases here. Got this one with their split. This record is probably my favorite one because the recording on this is insane. Captured the spirit of the band so well. And also they've done this split with another amazing band called Tiger Pussy from Cebu. This is a great record too. It's a huge honor to have Odessa on. She is a phenomenal drummer. But not only that, in this episode, what we do is really start talking about her path to veganism and vegetarianism and how she got into it in the Philippines and what she's done similar to Anne from the first episode where she's taken all this information in, but instead of just keeping it and just changing her own life, she's tried to do stuff to advocate so that other people can be more aware about this culture, this mindset, and this lifestyle. And she's gone on to promote it by running her own restaurant in the Philippines. It's amazing. A couple things I want you to remember before you start listening to it is that Odessa and my friend Anne and a bunch of other people that we'll be interviewing in the future, English may not be their first language. It might be their third or fourth language. Maybe it might even be their sixth language. So a lot of these people that I interview for this podcast are a little bit nervous about how they come across I've always reassured them that the audience for Unite Asia is so open-minded that they understand that an accent or vocabulary or if they're stuttering or if something doesn't make sense clearly, that at the end of the day, we understand that it's the message and what you're trying to say and the emotions you put into what you're trying to get across that's most important. And at the end of the day, support what you're all about. 
another thing about my friend Odessa is that she was such a humble and kind and understanding person that the Wi-Fi kept going out where she was. And she kept saying she felt so bad and so upset about it. She kept saying, I'm so sorry, you know, it's a third world country in the Philippines and this is what the Wi-Fi situation is like. I just wanted to say that it's absolutely okay. I knew that that would be the case. Often is the case for any of these podcasts. So it doesn't matter. On that, I hope you enjoyed this amazing episode and learn a lot more about Odessa, what she's done for the Philippines hardcore scene and the vegan scene. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is such an immense honor for our second Unite Asia podcast is my lovely friend, Odessa. She plays drums for a hardcore punk band out of the Philippines called Chokokoi. How are you doing? Hi, Riz. I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited to be part of this uh, podcast. That is amazing. I'm so excited that you would take the time out of your busy schedule because I know you run a vegan restaurant in the Philippines yeah. right now. Yeah, there's a vegan cake in my oven right now. <laughs> so who's checking on the vegan cake? Yeah, the staff. <laughs> <laughs> the staff is checking on it. Yeah. Okay. So Odessa, what we'll do is, um, because this is an opportunity for people mainly outside of Asia or even outside of the Philippines to learn about you and learn about the Philippines hardcore punk rock scene, is it okay if we start from the very beginning about your whole journey into hardcore and punk? All right. Uh, well, actually, we're just, it started when we, we were in high school. Basically, in high school, you know, we were just like stupid kids, not really serious about studies and all. Actually, me and 3D, we, way, we came way back since high school. And we're these girls that doesn't have any female other friends, just the two of us. And then we are the only ones who listen to punk rock and to all this loud music. So basically, it's just us. And then, and then there's other girl. Uh, her name is Marlene. And she's this really, really girly girl, but she listens to metal. That's why um, we really dig. And we started to form a band. So that's how we started playing. So that's how I started playing drums. And Tweety started to learn how to play drum, uh, guitars. And then that girly girl, Marlene, uh, she started playing bass just so we could form a band because there's not enough girl band out there, right? So that's how it started. Do you remember, so what year are you talking about? 93, 94, 94 something. And then the first... Uh, Original song, I think it's 1995, 1996. Are, are you talking about Chokokoi? Started in 1995? No, no, no. It's uh, this band called Uom. Oh. It's spelled U uh, O M. It's it's just like the Chokokoi. Also, it started with a really silly name. It's actually <laughs> it's actually the dirt on on your foot, something like that. I I forgot. Tweety <laughs> made it up. She made it up. So. That's how it started. So it sounds like Tweety has quite the uh, the knack for coming up with band names. 
Yes, yes. Daily ones. That is very funny. Um, Odessa, but can you take us actually back to um, when you first heard punk rock or how did you actually get into punk rock and hardcore? Did someone show it to you? Or did you see something somewhere? How did you actually find it? Well, at first, um, well, actually, we know, we knew, actually, Twitter and I, we had, like, we pretty much have the same, like, uh, opinion about a lot of stuff. Like, we're, we're this bunch of teenagers trying to figure things out. And then me and her, we're like, we assess these things. Like, there's something new, like this music. And then, hmm, that's pretty cool. Let's listen to that, you know? That's, that's how we started pretty, pretty much. Okay, and who was, um, like, what were some of the first hardcore punk rock bands that you heard, and what did you like about them? Well, um, well, we, we started listening to this really, really loud uh, music. Uh, me, personally, I started with, uh, you know, L7, Babes in Toyland. Not really like punk rock, punk rock, right? That's pretty much uh, what I really dubbed that time. Hardcore, I, I, I really like Refuse at that time. Refuse, um, who else? I started listening to Hardcore during the, the peak of uh, the crime thing. What else? Earth Crisis. So you were more, were you, did you like more of the punk style of Hardcore? Did you like more of the metal style of Hardcore? Because you got Earth Crisis and then you have L7, two very different bands. Yeah, I know. Um, actually, a little bit of everything, but I cannot exactly uh, say that I'm more of this, more of that, but I really like, recently I really like uh, really fast bands. Uh, more on punk rock, I guess. If you're talking about how you got into hardcore and punk, like you're saying L7 and Refused, back when you got into hardcore punk, was it the music that attracted you to it or was it the politics or the message that attracted you to it? Well, it's the politics and the music, I guess. Um, you could say also the people around it, the community, the community, actually the diversity also, the, the way people think, the, it all, it's, it's all the combination of everything like fanzines and the scene politics and all. Yeah. So that's pretty much how I got hooked in the hardcore punk scene. So when you were in the hardcore punk scene at that time, like if you think back to 94 or 95, whatever year it was, did you already have a local hardcore punk scene in the Philippines going? Yes, yes. It's particularly where we live here in Lucena. We, we have a really small punk. It's more of a punk community. And, you know, that, that, at that time, the hardcore is not much of a thing yet. Um, but I really love the diversity Oh, back then we have a ska, different kind of music, you know, and we all peacefully gather and play this music in one gig. Yeah, and that, that makes sense because you're saying that the scene was small. So if the scene is small, it almost seems like sometimes when the scene is small, it's more open-minded, right? Yes, it's just like, yes. oh, hey, our scene is so small. Sure, you play ska, no problem. I play crust punk, yep. no problem. Let's just all build this together. And then exactly. once the scene expands, then it starts to separate, which is interesting, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly it, yeah. So, Odessa, back in that era when you first got into hardcore punk and in the local scene, you're saying there already was a local scene. Was there a local punk band that really inspired you? Uh, yes. Uh, back then, we have this 
great band called Alhadupaks. They are like we are like sibling bands. Like they don't play, if we don't play, we don't play. If they don't play, and we're all the same age, and we go to same school, and they teach us these tricks. Like they're, I think they are three years ahead of us. So they teach us things like politics and who's who of the scene, what chord is this song, you know. <laughs> and they're um, they're punk band also, and I think they stop playing after like seven years. Oh, okay. So so they stopped playing like I think in 1999, I, I guess. You said that you and Tweety had already started a band before. When was mm-hmm. it the real decision to start Chococoy then? Uh, I, 1999, I think, if I was not mistaken. 1999, I think I just graduated from college and Tweety is still on her last year of being a college student. And he, I think she just broke up with someone back then. And then we <laughs> had this really, really a crazy idea that we we should start a band again we had this decision if who who's gonna mem- who's going to be the member mm. and um we had it's just the two of us and then we decided that we should get someone who are as much as loser as we are <laughs> i guess <laughs> and we found cutie and joy yeah and we found Cutie and Joy. They are both, I think they were studying college back then. Did you guys decide, like, was it intentional for it to be an all-girl hardcore band? Or how did you guys decide on the four, these four members? Well, at first, it wasn't intentional. But I guess um, in the long run, I guess um, we decided that, well, we should, I think we should pick a girl, I guess. Someone, but not just girl-girl, but you know, someone that we is in the same circle, I guess. And and obviously there's none. <laughs> so we asked our guy friends to introduce us to someone who they know who can play and who is not an asshole. So they came. I don't know if that's allowed. Sorry. That's absolutely okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> So we, so they introduced us to Cutie and Joy, and then the rest is history. Wow! And it's been the same lineup <laughs> since then. Joy left the group after I think after just few gigs. I think five gigs or eight gigs. I'm not sure. And then someone introduced us to Cheryl. Cheryl we knew because I back then I had a little small uh, jam space. So I just I, I opened up a really small practice place. So Cheryl with her band uh, rehearsed there, and then we, when I heard her, I knew that we want her. So <laughs> that's it. That's how that's how Cheryl got into the group. And Cheryl's still the vocalist today, right? Yes. Yeah, she's yes, amazing. Yes. I mean that she's got that throat shredding voice. Oh my gosh! I know. I know, you know, she looks like this little, little girl who can't do anything, who is harmless, but <laughs> don't give her the mic. Don't give her the mic and the pen. She knows stuff.
Okay. Now with Chococoy starting in 1999, um, in your scene, you're saying that it was already a very diverse scene, but it's always yeah. interesting to kind of hear about the journey for females and women to get into hardcore and punk. So when you guys first started your band, was, was there any, did you get any weird feelings from people in the community, from your family? Yeah, uh, in my family, not so much because I didn't really care about their opinion anyway. So the the, the weird part, I guess, is the, within the community, the, the, the hardcore punk community. Uh, I guess there's the weird vibe that, you know, special treatment, like... Um, when we play, it doesn't matter if we suck because we're female. You know, it doesn't matter if if we only know one. We in, we only knew one chord or stuff like that. So we felt that at that time that we had to like step it up. The original plan is to be just punk, just a punk band, right? So we kind of like let's step it up and let's do something else let's make some weird tempos stuff like that that's one of the factors of how we sounded back then um we wanted to do like i don't know how to put it different but not so different but still us when you guys started, it wasn't like you were trying to copy anybody. You just knew that mm -hmm. you wanted to play in a punk band. But in, mm -hmm. even in 99, when you started, it's so brilliant that you're like, even though we're playing in a punk band, how can we change it a little bit so we can find our own sound? Exactly, exactly. Also, the, the part where, um, I guess it, it, you feel something like, you always feel different if you're in a crowd where everyone as a penis, I guess, <laughs> and uh, and then you you dive into stage and you you're not you're not male and then I guess it's it's I don't know how I'm really lost for words but it's different in a way that it's good and it's sometimes it's it brings up but personally I didn't. I didn't feel any like feel any discrimination. Lucky for me, but some did. So you were just about to say that there were some incidents that you can remember about how you were treated, how the band was treated or welcomed into the community with some maybe some discrimination, but you said you didn't really feel it, but you noticed that other people in the band were feeling it. Are there any mm. instances or situations you could tell us about? Yeah, I guess um I guess there's a like unwritten rule or like unsaid rules that if you're in a band in a community and you're female, I guess they have this they have they have the respect, I guess. Um just for like just putting yourself out there. Guess I know that just to be in a punk community, being a female is um I think it's hard enough. And to, to write songs about uh, inequality, about politics, about losing jobs, losing lovers, motherhood, I guess they welcomed us. Wow. They welcomed us. Like, yeah, it's great. It's great. But it's not, unfortunately, it's not the case always. It's not always the case. Mm. Because there's always this girl, um, 
somebody's girlfriend in the scene, they are not being treated as same as we are being treated. The ones oh, in the band. I yeah. see. You're saying that as band members, you actually did not really f- sense any discrimination. You were welcome because of this, the lyrics that you guys were singing about. I think it's great that you were singing about motherhood. And so you were bringing something new to the table, um, something new to think about for the audience. And you're really pushing them to be a little bit more progressive with their ideas. But you're saying yeah. that not all the females within the scene were treated the same. So... Yes. If, if females were on stage, they were still respected. But if they weren't involved in this in the community, they weren't as treated as as respectfully. Well, that's how I saw it from my perspective. With Choco Koi, um, like you know, I I love that you brought up um, what your songs are all about. When you guys write the lyrics, or when Cheryl's writing the lyrics, do you guys sit down and have conversations about what you're gonna address in some of your songs? Well, uh, at first, it was like, uh, write your own song. Like, Tweety will, would um, write her own lyrics, and then we put music on it. And then I would write my own lyrics, and then we would. But lately, it was mostly Cheryl's lyrics. So it was more really, more of really, really political stuff. Because, you know, Cheryl is, you know, she's, uh, she has so many um, grief inside about the politics about the government i guess wow that's great so she does use the band and the music and the lyrics as a way to express and vent all that anger and grief i mean i i understand the philippines is going through a lot right now just like hong kong is going through a lot yes yes i know yeah so i'm i'm assuming that cheryl's probably got enough lyrics for maybe a hundred new songs (laughs) yeah maybe yeah especially now that we've been quarantined since march yeah. Odessa, since you've been running this vegan restaurant in the Philippines, can you actually take us back to when you first heard about veganism? And what was it about veganism? Was it a band? Was it someone in the scene that uh, explained this to you? How did you get into it? Well, who else would introduce this to me? Of course, my punk friends, right? Well, at first, when it was introduced to me back in early 2000, I was really curious about it. I tried it for six months and then I went back to eating meat again and then it went on for 12 years. Fast forward 12 years, uh, I, I watched this documentary called uh, the, the Gerson uh, Therapy, which basically I had a breakthrough that food has a really, really big effect on us, not just physically, but everything around us. like. Uh, environment, uh, spiritually, in me- mentally, and of course, not to not to mention the effect to the animals. And it was an information that you just want to tell everyone. Like, so what I did was I learned how to cook a vegetarian. Vegetarian at first because I wasn't vegan yet. Luckily, back then I was married to someone vegetarian. And that's how I got into cooking. That's how I got into cooking vegetarian meals. And then 2013, I started a really small company. It's a home-based company. I, I cook for 10 people and then I, I brought it to their office. And then it went on for six months, I guess, six months. 
And then the year after that, uh, it went from every Monday, it, it, it went from meatless Mondays to uh, Monday to Friday. I cook and then I bring it, you know, to people. That's how I started. For a year, I did that. And then I got really inspired by this really small cafe in Manila. It had just two tables, really, really small tables. I thought, if they can do that, I can do that. Because two tables, it's not hard to manage, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I started, just two tables. That's just two tables. Wow. And then now we have, like, I don't know. I think seven tables here. Wow, that's such a cool story. But do you remember actually when you watched that documentary? Um, because you said that you tried vegetarianism many years ago and you tried it for six months, but then you went off of it. You tried it again, you went off of it. But mm. something in that documentary really changed your mind. And you're, are you saying that it was the first time you realized how that yeah. choice that you make it's not about yourself. It's actually about the people yes. around you and the environment around you. Was there something in that documentary that you remember? Yes. Uh, actually, it's about uh, food being used to cure cancer, actually. Mm. And then um, at that point, I, I remember uh, thinking that, oh, my God, um, the, the reason why people kept on working Keep working and working and working because they are eating food that are bad for them. And when they get sick, they have to work harder because they have to buy pills. They have to buy for the hospitalization. They have to buy Medicare. That didn't make sense to me. That didn't sound like actually leaving, mm. right? Mm. So that's how I started advocating about eating better, at first, because uh, uh, my, my reason for being vegetarian then is for health reasons. So I advocated more on being healthy, not getting sick and all. But it grew on me when I stopped eating animals. You know, um, it grew on me that uh, cats, pigs, and other animals are not that different from me. I don't know where it came from, but it probably came from not eating them. Mm. So now I advocate on not eating them so you can feel something. So right. you feel that we are not all that different. Even if it means that sometimes we have this bad reputation, the vegans. But you wouldn't understand if you, if you didn't try, I guess. Right. But that's amazing because it sounded like a lot of vegans people that I've met, they actually get into it because of the animal rights part. It sounded like the animal rights part came second for you. First, it was the health and you mm -hmm. didn't want to support a yeah. cycle of people who have to work really hard yeah. and then they get sick. Then they had to mm -hmm. buy pills to then get better. Then they had to mm -hmm. continue to work hard because they keep getting sick and they had to keep buying more pills. So mm -hmm. you wanted to break that system somehow because you're such a punk rock person. <laughs> you wanted to break that system. Yep. And That's, then you realize, yeah. and yeah. then you are realizing, you're like, okay, besides breaking that system, I'm also understanding the the feelings of animals yeah. and how we don't need to do that to them. Um, and that way we're protecting this environment, yeah. the world we live in. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. Like I said earlier that you wouldn't understand because people know this, friends know this, that I hate vegans 
back then. I hate vegans. <laughs> I don't want to be one. They're so annoying. They're so annoying. And they're so arrogant. And stop, stop, stop telling me what to eat. And, you know. <laughs> and then years later, oh my God, I am one of them. I am one of them. But that's very funny. So you're, you're saying that you, you used to have a period in your life that you hated vegans because they were so annoying. I, I hated them. Yep, I hated them. I even, I even wrote this on some comments in a, one of a Filipino vegan page that I hate vegans and blah, blah, blah. That is very funny. But then when you became vegan and then you were doing that, um, you know, the, the, the delivery food that you were doing, and then you opening a restaurant. And you also said earlier that you opened a jam space. So it sounds mm-hmm. like in your heart and your brain, you have a very strong entrepreneur, business savvy kind of person. Where did that come from? Well, not really. Not re- actually, that's a funny story because I didn't, I didn't want to open up a restaurant. I, didn't, I just want a simple life. Of course, I have to live. I have to earn money, but it's like 80% advocacy because I know that it is what I am here for. I am here to do these things. It's like that. It's my, I feel like it's my duty. So with your restaurant, I know that sometimes to advocate for veganism or a certain lifestyle, you have to have a place that becomes like a workshop or a cultural center. Is that what you feel like your restaurant has become? Yes, actually, it has been like a mothership of the community here. Like they, some vegans here, they will call me mother. I don't know why, because, you know. And <laughs> maybe because uh, this place has become like home to them. And we do some vegan cooking class in a really, really low price. Like it's almost giveaway. It's a, like, it's a punk rock thing. I guess I cannot be, you know... I cannot be 100% entrepreneur. I have to be a punk rock sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And then also, um, yearly, I do this free mentoring, uh, like 22-day vegan challenge. It's free. And then people will volunteer and do this challenge. And then sometimes I do 15 to 20 people all at the same time. I mentor them all at the same time. And I would... That, that challenge, the particular challenge would produce like six vegans. So it sounds really cool what you've tried to do. It's not just that you've opened a restaurant. It really seems like you're trying to create a movement in the Philippines. At least in your community, you're trying to create a, yes. a, a movement for more and more people to really understand the, the background for veganism, this type of lifestyle. So then my question is that, do you find that there is a hope and future for veganism in the Philippines? Definitely, definitely. Especially um, in Manila. There are so many vegans there right now. And the, and the community is doing great and advocating also. Particularly here in our city, um, there are more and more vegans every year. Uh, I'm not saying because of me. <laughs> but, you know, because of the internet also. Uh, the information is much easier right at this time. So, and also it's much easier to cook now, now that the people are like staying at home and easier to cook. Wow, that's great news. So in terms of uh, your own business too, and your own restaurant, the COVID-19, the lockdown situation is almost benefiting you a little bit. 
No, not really. Because <laughs> the, the, the entrepreneur side is like uh, crying inside right now. You know, because not much people are like, would like to go out and yes. eat. So it, it, it really like devastated, not, not just me, but every restaurant here in the city. Like, it's really hard. We are like just trying to survive this. Yeah. But we are making most out of it. Right, right. I mean, it, it sounds like you have the right positive attitude to be able to hopefully get through this situation that the whole world is in right now. Yeah, and the COVID-19, the, 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 the best way to uh, combat it is to eating healthy, you know, just stay away from getting sick because the, the mortality of the COVID-19 came from the people who have a pre-existing condition and most of them are lifestyle lifestyle diseases so you know it's not really late too late to eat healthily eat mindfully you know to if this COVID-19 is here to it's gonna be here for I think a couple more years I don't know I'm not sure but you know it's it's the perfect time to reflect on what we eat So Odessa, with, with Cho Kokoi, how did you make a decision that you were going to play the drums? Why not guitar or bass or be the vocalist? When we were trying to plan this, about this band, um, I'm, already, I'm already a drummer and I didn't want to play any instrument at that time. And wait, I just remembered something. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I remember us trying to hire this girl who knows how to play drums but it turns out that this girl wanted to boss around like she wanted to decide what kind of music we were gonna play so me and Tweety like that's not gonna happen kick her out <laughs> yeah I remember that <laughs> thank you <laughs> I just remembered that that's very funny so you wanted to make sure that you guys still had freedom in the band to be able to play whatever you wanted to play yeah and she wanted us to play corn <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the main reason why you kicked this girl out of the band. Deal breaker. <laughs> Sounds like a deal breaker for sure. Now, you also, yeah. besides getting into like uh, with Choco Koi playing in a hardcore punk type of band, later on you joined Veils and played more of a metallic, dark hardcore style, very yeah. heavy. <laughs> So how did you, why did you yeah. want to play that type of music too? Why? Um, back then I was really like focused on cooking vegetarian meals at that time. I didn't have any bands back then. And I heard that Vales is looking for someone, I think, if I can remember. Yeah. And then they're all my friends. And I said, I volunteered. Whether you like it or not, I can play. 
<laughs> so you forced yourself on them. <laughs> Not really. They were based in Manila, and I'm based here in Lucena. But I have to travel five hours just to practice. And that didn't, and that went on for several years. I think four years I was in Wales. And then I opened the restaurant, and then that's too much. I can't handle this anymore. You have to find another drummer. <laughs> wow, so four years, you traveled five yeah. hours for practice? Yep, practice and almost, uh, also gigs, yeah. Wow, that's commitment, man. You're a very committed <laughs> person. Yeah, basically, I'm just scared of them. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna destroy the your reputation <laughs> the pressure the pressure is real i know that you have how many children do you have i have one boy i know not not boy he's a man now he's 18 turning 18 this september oh my gosh you have an 18 year old yep you look like yep. an 18 year old <laughs> no <laughs> uh, he, his name is reason Okay. Can I ask, like, with you turning vegetarian and then becoming vegan and being such a strong advocate, how has he uh, resorted to this? How does he feel about it? Well, last year he had this disease, bacterial something in his guts. And that's how pretty much I, I started telling him to start eating vegetarian food. And now he's vegan since December. Yeah. He's vegan now. Now, yeah, yeah. Wow. So even, it even works for him. And for him, again, it wasn't because of an animal rights thing. It was really about no. health. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know that it's not really like the ideal reason, but you have to be real. Like, I cannot tell this kid who grew up eating animal is normal. And then one day, like, you know, I tried to show him some documentaries, but it's really hard. It, I'm not gonna lie. It's not. It's not easy to switch from omnivore to like since you, since you're born. You know, you, you've been eating meat, and Filipino cuisine is like pretty much meat based. So it's really not that easy. So I'm really happy. It doesn't matter now. So I mean, I guess now that he's vegan now, I think he's vegan now. <laughs> because he doesn't leave me with me anymore. He oh, with his father. Yeah, so as far as I know, he doesn't eat dairy. But that's great that he's, he was able to make that change in his lifestyle to better his own health. And does he, he I'm sure yes. he's seen benefit from it, right? Yes, yes. Um, he started, uh, you know, he used to have a breakout and now he's like, he's, he now has a really smooth skin now. That's like her mother. That's, <laughs> His mother. Yeah. <laughs> Odessa, this has been such a great conversation hearing about your journey and learning about women getting in involved in hardcore and punk in the Philippines, but even more importantly about your, almost your mission in life and purpose in life to spread the awareness of veganism for health benefits, for animal rights. It's such an amazing thing you're doing. Now, as you look to tomorrow or next year, what are your hopes? What are your plans? I hope to retire in seven years. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. Um, um, while, while I still can, while I still have this place, I want to get the most out of it. I want to get more people to be involved in the community, uh, not just in vegan community also. In, I want them also to be aware 
in some issues like uh, plastic waste and all that stuff and um, supporting uh, local local businesses, something like that. I'm always thinking about the community uh, because what we have here right now, it's something that I didn't grow up having. It's something wonderful and I think I want this to go on even if this restaurant is no longer here. I'm not really certain for how long I'm gonna be here. I mean the restaurant and also me. Uh, but as much as I want, uh, I want to to pass it on to other people. Especially, I think it, it would be better if to pass it out on to someone who have a background in being punk. I guess. Mm. Uh, I guess it's it's just different if if everything has a a a punk uh, application to you know. To things, even in raising your kid, cooking something, like going out there. I think it's really, I'm really lucky to be, to benefit the, the punk attitude, right? Uh, that I accumulated over the years of going to the gigs and meeting different people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool that you were able to take that punk rock attitude, the punk rock ethos, and the ideals of punk rock, and you've let it continue into your life. So the way you run your restaurant, it's not yep. a capitalist mindset. It's not like an no, entrepreneur, no. profit-based, like money, 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 it's all I want. You're no. like, no, I just need to break even. And as long as I can break even, and or even yep. if I don't break even, like you're saying with the COVID situation, yep. you have yep, a yep. sense of purpose, and you want to continue this regardless but yes, you're saying that exactly. if you if you do pass this on, you don't want to pass it on to someone who's just looking to profit from your restaurant because it's going to take the heart and soul away, right? When you first got into hardcore punk and you're talking about all the punk rock ideals and ethos, do you remember like how you were finding out about all of that? Uh, well, fan scenes, of course. Mm -hmm. The fan scenes, you know, I love reading fan scenes. Uh, I forgot most of them now, but it really like because we don't have social media then right so other people's opinion are there and then you assess your own opinion and then you get it like oh my god that's right right you know through fan scenes through some songs and then the people you talk to at gigs your friends you know you discuss these things over like a beer or something Thing, and then you know you grew up you grew up with punk i agree with you i remember like the end of the 90s or like the early 2000s when i first heard about the philippine scene you're right the zines in the philippines was like an explosion it was just like this non-stop flood of yeah. zines that, that people would send yeah. to me so zines you're right were such a big part of the punk rock community in the philippines it was it was and it was i don't think that, um you know here, you can call, call someone punk if you didn't read any fan scenes, right? Wow, that's such a cool part about the Philippines' history and punk rock and hardcore, how important the zine culture was to spread the message of the music and the attitude. But most importantly, what you said just now, the ideals and the ethics. It's not just from the lyrics of songs, because sometimes the lyrics are too mm -hmm. short. It's in the zines where the, mm. the author or the uh, writer can really stretch out the ideas and sentences and paragraphs, right? 
Exactly, exactly. It's really like it's it's really abundant with different political issues and then because there's no really internet back then, you know, and then you read some stuff about uh, a, a, a write-up from uh, from someone in Sweden and then you imagine that, oh, that's Sweden, huh? You know, it's true fancy, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's really priceless. Yeah. I mean, it was also cool because you would have a zine and then right now in social media world, the internet world, you read a sentence, then you can read another website, then you can read another post, mm, and then your attention is yeah. gone. But back then, you only had yeah. one zine and you would read it for weeks sometimes. Yep, yeah. And then you reread it after a while. Yeah. Right? Our kids these days, um, they have really, they do not appreciate things like that anymore like we used to, right? But um, I guess... That would be cool, but you know, I advocate also minimalism. <laughs> yeah, minimalism. That's true. Yeah, minimalism. Yeah, that's I think true. it will be it will be great to have at least an ebook, ebook like digital prints of this fanzine, but you know, with the same approach, like uh, typewritten, and then you scan it, and then you distribute it online, right? Yeah, like the old DIY graphics of the zine yep. era. That was a lot of fun. But you're right. I mean, in this day and age, and it also makes sense with what, with your idea and your mindset that you don't want to create more things just to create it. You don't want to just mm. become a mindless consumer. You're like, I still want to be mm. mindful of the fact that we're wasting paper. Trees are going to yep, be cut yep. down for this. So you're thinking about like in the digital era, what can we do to maintain that feeling of holding something or reading something and taking time to digest it, right? Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be great if, if the young ones could um, appreciate the ones that, you know, the, the feeling that you can smell something, right? <laughs> you, you used to smell fan scenes, right? Yes, you know, the, yes. the smell of the ink from the Xerox machine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Like the smell of the, Z the ink from the Xerox machine or when you open a CD booklet, you smell the CD booklet. You're yes, like, oh, smell. look at that, fresh paper. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you like, you glare at the lyric sheet for like an hour until you memorize the lyrics. Odessa, thank you so much for your time. Is there any last words, anything you want to say to your audience? Uh, first, I want to thank you for having me here. I'm such a big honor. It's such a big honor. Uh, I guess I wanted to say is like, we're going to go through this, this pandemic, this whatever it is that we are dealing with right now, the politics, the government, we're going to get through it. Um, the least we can do is, I guess, help each other out in any form, shape, or whatever, in like giving out free food, uh, being nice on the internet, you know, we're all on the same boat. We are all going through this. And I guess, go vegan. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Odessa. Bye. Thank you, Riz. Bye. That's it, my friends. That's the end of episode two. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned some stuff. Please make sure to look in the description down below for any sort of links to Odessa's activities, her restaurant, her band, all this lovely stuff. Anything that I've mentioned will be in the description down below. 
See you next week. Peace. Look at what we've been through. Time is now for me.